The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merritt, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Good evening and hello again, everybody. Welcome, welcome to our number one of Sports Talk New York here on WGBB in Merrick, Long Island, New York. I am Bill Donahue. I'm here taking you through the first hour on this Sunday evening, the 17th of September in the year 2023, in case you're just waking up. Our engineer, Brian Graves, is across the way riding shotgun for us, as always. we got a great show lined up for you tonight. Leading off, we will welcome in two-time Super Bowl champion and pro football Hall of Famer, Jerry Kramer. Now, Jerry has a new book out from our friends at Triumph, and his co-author, Bob Fox, will join us as well. And in the second half of the program, we will switch gears, as we like to do from time to time, and we'll welcome in the great Rock and Roll Hall of Famer from the Young Rascals, Felix Cavalieri. Two Hall of Famers tonight for you folks, so sit back, relax, get comfortable, enjoy the show. Great people, some great stories ahead. Social media, before we begin, you can follow me. My page is entitled The Talk of New York Sports. You can check me out on Facebook. You'll find show information, sports information, some good stuff. Stop by, give it a look. You can all follow us on X, which is Twitter, as you know, at Sports Talk NY. Follow me on X at B Donahue WGBB. And if you miss a show, don't you worry, because they're all out on the website the next day, cataloged, waiting for you to listen at your leisure. Well, our first guest, two-time NFL champion. He was elected to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 2018. He has a new book out from our buddies at Triumph called Run to Win, My Packers Life from Lombardi to Canton. Jerry's co-author Bob Fox is with us as well. Bob's writing has appeared in Packer Report, the Wisconsin Sports Online, and Bleacher Report. He was a supervising producer on the documentary You Can If You Will. The Jerry Kramer story. With that, I welcome to Sports Talk New York tonight, Jerry Kramer and Bob Fox. Good evening, gentlemen. Hey, Bill. How you doing? We're doing good here. How you doing? How you doing, Bill? Did you say two championships, Bill? Yes. What? What? Are you crazy? No. (laughs) We had we had five championships. I meant the Super Bowls, Jerry. Well, you didn't okay. play Super Bowl. Oh, yeah, but <laughs> but it is now. Oh, now my producer's laughing at me too. Um, <laughs> I, I meant I didn't. I oh, how am I going to talk my way out of this? One? We didn't. That's we all didn't, right. We, I understand that. We didn't call you, them Super Bowls back were... then. That's what I was yep. trying, trying to be correct, but uh, I fumbled. Get it? I added that. Not in a there, problem. Fumble. <laughs> okay, now. Nope. You were part, Jerry, of the famous Packers sweep, uh, signature play. Both guards pull out, uh, lead the lead the blocking for the running back. Talk a little bit about the famous Packers sweep. Well, it was a great play. Uh, you had to have uh, several uh, excellent executions prior to running the play, like our tight end, who was uh, generally Ron Kramer, 
Marv Fleming, but Ron was a Pithecanthropus erectus, and he was a wonderful blocker. And so he could handle that linebacker uh, very well. And the, the near back had to get the defensive end, and then Fuzzy and I had to clear the corner so we could get out open free, and Horning was generally behind us. <clears throat> Paul had great instincts. He was he was not a, a speed runner. He he was about uh, a tenth of a second ahead of Fuzzy and I, but that was perfect for running the sweep mm-hmm. because he could see it all develop and he could step one way or the other and set the blocking up. So it was just a great play for us, and it uh, it worked from the first day to the last day. The the one thing I, I regret, Jerry. And, Bob, is that the one show that I don't have a copy of that I've done in the 12 years I've been here is the show I did with the Golden Boy, Paul Horning. And, and I, I sure do miss that, and I wish I had a copy of that show. But so, such is life. So we will move on. Yeah. Now, the, the 58 draft, Jerry, uh, you were taken in the fourth round by the pack. And also two other Hall of Famers were in that draft. It was a tremendous draft for the Packers. I came from Idaho right. and played at the University of Idaho and grew up in northern Idaho in a little town of about 3,000 people, and not 3,000 people knew where it was. Uh, so it was a uh, quite a surprise to be drafted. In fact, I was in class uh, when I was actually picked uh, in the fourth round, and uh, a friend of mine, Wayne Walker, uh, who was played with Detroit was waiting for me when I got out of class and he said, you got drafted. And I was, wow, <laughs> super. Who drafted me? He said, Green Bay. I said, Where is Green Bay? <laughs> so we, we, we got a map and oh, it's by a big lake. Oh, hell, that is a big lake. That's Lake Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I, I was pretty excited and, uh, we, uh, we're one ten and one our first year, Bill. We had the worst record in the history of the franchise. Yeah. And then the second year, a fellow named Lombardi showed up and uh, took a lot of names and made a lot of speeches and changed a lot of attitude and was just an incredibly positive force on that football team. I was just going to ask you, Jerry, about Vince Lombardi coming over. He, For folks that may not know, Vince was the offensive line coach of the New York Giants before he came to Green Bay. So it gives you an idea how the Giants uh, let a lot of people go that they should have kept. Uh, another guy named Tom Landry was with the Giants, too. But that's another yep. show. Now, now, you were also a kicker, Jerry, and... You were jovially, jovially described as the best knuckleball kicker in the NFL. Tell us, tell us what that meant. Well, my ball didn't always go in over end, but it very <laughs> seldom went stable into the wind also. So that was just somebody's idea of a good joke. But uh, it was a lot of pressure on me to kick. Uh that was not my regular job. My regular job was playing guard. Right. And if I got Alex Karras or Merlin Olson or Leo Namalini or some of those monsters uh, I'm playing against, that takes all my energy and every ounce of thought I have. So I, I kicked uh, in high school a little bit and college a little bit. 
and uh, going into Yankee Stadium, uh, the home of all the world prize fights and the great uh, games and baseball and football, and it, it was a kind of a hallowed ground. Right. And it was, uh, for me, as a kid from Idaho, I felt almost like I was trespassing, that I didn't belong there. <laughs> so Social Party knew how we would feel, I guess. So he, so he said, Jerry, come here a minute. So I went over to what he was saying. He said, take three or four of the young boys out and walk them around the stadium a little bit. Get them used to it. Yeah. Well, there's no way you can get used to it, but you can see it a little bit and understand it as bricks and mortar, and it's probably not a, a fantasy land. So uh, we did, and the wind was blowing 30, 40 miles an hour. So I, a couple of my kicks, I aimed like 10 yards outside the goalpost, and the wind brought the kick into the goalposts and over the goalposts, and and we I scored uh, 10 points that day, which was a big day for an offensive guard. Yeah. Very good, Jerry. We're speaking tonight with the great Jerry Kramer and the co-author of his new book, Bob Fox. Now, Bob, I want to check with you. You are known as Green Bay Bob. What what are the origins of that? Well, when I moved to Florida in the mid-'80s, obviously I I went into sales. I looked for media work because that was my degree, journalism degree in, in college, and I did have some jobs in Wisconsin. But when I moved to Florida and was looking for media work, I ended up in sales, and um, I ended up, you know, listening to sports radio back when it, I guess, when you say when it first got started in the early 90s or whatever. Mm-hmm. And uh, I called all the time, and uh, they gave me the moniker Green Bay Bob because I talked about the Packers all the time. <laughs> and then one time my boss caught me on sports radio, on you know, in the office talking to one of the uh people hosting and she got on my case pretty well and then uh, about a week later though we had to see a a client who uh said you know i'm not really interested in doing business with your company anymore your service has not been good this and that and everything else and my boss said i don't think we got a chance to to get this one and i said well i'll give it a shot so i go in and talk to the guy and he hears my voice he goes you sound familiar are you are you green bay bob I said, yes, I am. And I walked out of there 15 minutes later with the contract. Amazing. So uh, it works sometimes. Yeah, it, it sure does. I'm sure there's many other guys that, that got busted uh, calling into Sports Talk <laughs> Radio, too, uh, Bob. So don't worry <laughs> about that. Uh, now, I want to talk a little bit about Jerry's writing. Uh, I know we, we know a lot of football stories that have been told about Jerry and and some great uh, interaction there. But uh, a buddy of mine reminded me that in high school he had to read uh, Instant Replay, which is a classic written, of course, with Dick Schapp. Now, Jeremy Schapp writes the forward to this new book, uh, Run to Win. Jerry, talk a little bit about Jerry, about your relationship with Dick Schapp and uh, your experience with Instant Replay. Dick was a prince, just an exceptional human being, uh, not only very bright, very intelligent, but very kind and very thoughtful and a wonderful human being. And I, I had not even dreamed about doing a book. And he called and 
said, do you want to do a book? And I goes, well, I don't know. How do you do a book? And uh, we had a meeting with our publisher and came out of there, and I said, okay, Dick, uh, who who's in charge here? Who gets final say? Mm-hmm. He said, you do. I said, okay. So uh, I gave him a, a couple situations, and he goes, no, Jerry, we don't want to go there. That's not exactly football. But my father was a little bit heavy-handed. And I started to talk about that, and he goes, no, save that for another time. So he did it in a very nice way, and uh, I just really uh, enjoyed what we were doing. And um, he took me to the Tonight Show, and we sat in the green room, and Judy Garland, uh, Sherry Lewis, you know, the normal cast of characters. And I get up a little bit before we're supposed to go on, and I go out and push the elevator button. And I'm going to run, run, run. And I am getting intimidated by all the celebrities around there, and I'm a tater tot <laughs> from Boise, Idaho, or Sandpoint. So Dick comes out and catches me over by the elevator. What are you doing? Oh, I'm just kind of loosening up. I'm just uh, getting ready to go on. He said, well, come on, we're they're ready for us. So we went on, and Judy Garland said something about uh, Guy Lombardo. And I said, no, Judy, this is Lombardi. He doesn't dance, he doesn't waltz, he doesn't sing. He doesn't shout. But... Uh, and then Johnny came in and uh, introduced us, and uh, we broke for a commercial, and Johnny said, Jerry, sign the book for me. Personalize it for me, will you? Nice. So he got my confidence, you know, and made me feel good and made me relax a little bit. And our book went to number one on the bestseller list. It was number two prior to Johnny's show, but uh, he pushed it up to number one, so it was a wonderful experience and a profitable experience. This, it sounds it sounds just that, Jerry. That's for sure. A, a great uh, a great evening. Now, uh, Bob, you, you can chime in here too. You can, if you will. A, a great mantra of Jerry's. Uh, who who wants to talk about that? It it, it was uh, Jerry's high school coach, I believe, and also. A uh, big part of his Hall of Fame induction speech. Yeah, Gary should probably speak about it because he was the one who had it happen in his presence. Go ahead, Jerry. Well, I, I would, I, Bob, I was a real clumsy sophomore. Uh, I had grown about a foot, and my feet had grown a foot and a half, and my hands, and I just was clumsy and having a very difficult time. Uh, in football practice, and our line coach was a wise old gen- gentleman, fairly old, quite gray, and probably in his 60s, and uh, he came over to me one day and took one of my hands and held it out and said, son, you got big hands, and you got big feet, and one of these days you're going to grow into them, and when you do, you're going to be a heck of a football player. He said, you can, if you will, and he walked away. And I said, can what? If I will what? What are you talking about? Finish the sentence. <laughs> and he just gave me a kind of a Mona Lisa smile and uh, and walked away and let, left me there to think about it. 
And so he put the onus on my back, on my responsibility, and my actions, my carrying on. And so I kind of thought maybe it would make some sense if I went to work at it and maybe worked a little harder and tried a little harder and gave it a little more. So it had an impact on me, and it went to college with me, and it got out of college, and it went to the pro rank with me. And I still believe that the just the thought process of making up your mind to be or not to be, to pay the price or not pay the price, to take the shot and do your thing that you can if you will. Mm-hmm. A lot of times we won't, but we can, we can, we can. Great thought. Yes, uh, very, very nice that, that he let you in on that, Jerry. That, that was uh, words of wisdom, to be sure. We're speaking with Jerry Kramer tonight and his co-author, Bob Fox. New book out from Triumph from, uh, from Jerry and Bob called Run to Win. Uh, I believe it's coming out Tuesday. Uh, there's also chapters in the book uh, detailing your relationships with, with some of your teammates, Jerry. Uh, specifically Bart Starr. Talk a little bit about Bart as a quarterback. Well, Bart was a, a beautiful human being also. He was very special, and uh, he was uh, very quiet for a football player. He was not loud. He didn't jump up and down. He didn't holler much. He just took care of his job and took care of his work. And uh, we didn't know who he was. We actually had... Bart and four other quarterbacks, Coach Lombardi's first season, and uh, Joe Francis um, and uh, a couple other kids, and uh, Bart. And we play in the Bears, and we have a Bart throws a long pass down the right sideline. My defensive tackle stops, turns around, he's watching the ball. Uh, The other defensive tackle, the other defensive end, everybody's watching the ball. Bart's watching the ball. Bill George is not watching the ball. Bill's a middle linebacker, and he's a pretty tough character. So Bart is standing there with his hands down at his side, uh, focused on the receiver, and Bill George hits him with the forearm right in the mouth, knocks him back on his backside. The blood just starts spurting out his lip, upper lip, and down his jersey. It's running like a hose. And I said, Bart, you better go get sewed up. You're bleeding like a stuck hog. He said, shut up and get in the huddle. I said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> so we got in the huddle, and Bart bled his way down. I guess we were about the 35, 40-yard line across midfield and down for a score. And they laid him down on the bench, and they stitched him up right there in front of God and everybody. And he came back in the game, and he said, no game, boy. We meant to him up. And so we started <laughs> to give him some grief, and he said, shut up and get in the huddle. Yeah. So he took control, and that's what we were yeah. all waiting for him to do. A, gr- a great so man. That's, that's how Bart Starr won the job as a Green Bay Packer quarterback. Great story. Now, yeah. Jerry has written four books, three of them bestsellers, uh, but there are some things, and I'll ask the point this question to Bob, there, there are certain things in the new book that were never talked about before. Can, can you give us a little tease on that, Bob? 
Well, I'll, I'll do more than a tease because you just t- talked about Bart. And uh, there's a situation that Jerry's never written about or talked about much, and that's the uh, 1967 college all-star game when Bubba Smith was the defensive tackle <laughs> that faced Jerry in that game. And, and before the game, there was a Chicago Tribune headline, or not a headline, a, a whole page that said, Watch Bubba, Bubba kill Bart. And, uh, Gary, go ahead and finish the story. Come watch. It, it was the, the Chicago Trib. They were sponsors of the game. And the back page from top to bottom was a picture of Bubba, who was six foot eight anyway, <laughs> and about 285. And the caption said, come see Bubba kill Bart. And I get that paper before <laughs> breakfast on, uh, and I look at that and I go, wow, this is going to, this is going to be a long day because it's, he makes one play, the whole world is going to think he's sensational, right? Yeah. So we're uh, in the first quarter, and Bubba is much quicker afoot than he should be for his size. He should be a little bit slow and a little bit easy, but he's quick as a cat, a big cat, but quick. And uh, he gets by me, he gets on to Bart, and he tells Bart all night long, old man, all night long, Bubba going to be here on top of you. Mm-hmm. And Bart told me what he said as the guys were coming back to the huddle. And so they get in the huddle, and he looks at me, and he said, what do you want? And I look at the, the everybody is looking at me, and I don't know what he what he's doing. And I'm, what do you mean, what do I want? What do you want to play? What do you want to call? Call a play. I never called a play before, not even in junior high, right? <laughs> so there I am in front of 60, 70, 80,000 people, and he wants me to call a play. And I said, well, let's trap Bubba. So I got Fuzzy to come across and trap him, and we gained six or seven yards. Then I brought Forrest down on him. Then I double-teamed him. Then I trapped him. And I, I called probably six or seven plays. And we're gaining six or seven yards on every play. And so Bart lets me continue to call. <laughs> and when we get across midfield and down to maybe they're 35 to 40, somewhere in there, I, I look across the line of scrimmage, and Bubba is patting himself on the helmet. And he takes himself out of the game and goes to the sideline, and we went on down the road and and managed to uh, survive without Bubba. But it was interesting <laughs> to, to be able to, to call the plays, you know, two or three different times. One, one other, we had a playbook, and I got to play in the Pro Bowl with Coach Alice as our head coach. And uh, I came in from Miami, I think, in the second place game and got on the bus and Coach Alice was sitting right behind the driver, and he gave me a, a book, a playbook. So I went back about three or four rows and sat down, opened the playbook, and our first play was red, right, 49. It's our color code, our blocking situation, our sweep, our play, 100% our play. The next play was 28, 46, 47, 43, 42, 41, 40. And I ripped through the pages. And I, I look up with my mouth open, hanging down, and I'm looking at Coach Hallis, and he'd been turned around in the seat watching me. And he said, Jerry, 
we didn't want you Green Bay boys to get behind, so we just put in your offense. Oh, boy. <laughs> he, he had it perfect. He didn't miss a, a stroke. Oh, that's so. a, great. Now, also in the book, uh, you and Bob do a great job uh, of highlighting Jerry's work uh, with various organizations, including the Boys and Girls Club, National Child ID Kits, which I thought was tremendous. And, uh, Jerry, in, in a few minutes we have less, just give us a, uh, an idea about uh, your, your initiatives that you're working on. Well, we're working with the kids up in Door County, about 60 miles north of uh, Green Bay, and uh, it was kind of a brand new idea to have a golf outing and uh so they called me and asked if i would uh donate my time and effort i said yeah I'm, what are we going to do well we're going to play golf what else well we can go fishing if you like well i'd love to go fishing maybe i can get two or three of the other guys to come with me so i got doug hart who was little brother defensive back for us and buddy of mine and a couple other guys and uh we went to the uh, golf outing and had a nice time and fished a little bit and uh, went the next year and then a couple more guys uh, tuned in and the next year a couple more guys and pretty soon we were full and we were raising money about a hundred thousand a year and we ultimately raised uh, 1.5 million for the wow. boys and girls clubs of Door County and. I'm sure the big fella upstairs has given me an A plus on that particular venture. Nice. He may give me an F for some nights with the the guys after a victory or something, but he'll he'll take <laughs> care of me on that one. Yeah, so he, he sure it will. It becomes Jerry. just a wonderful yeah. event. That sounds tremendous. Well, Jerry Kramer, Bob Fox, it's been a pleasure. I thank you for taking time out of your respective Sunday evenings to spend some of it with us up here in New York. The book again, folks, is Run to Win, My Packers Life from Lombardi to Canton, and that's Jerry Kramer and Bob Fox. Thanks again for joining us, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank no you. Problem. Thank you. My pleasure. Have thank a, you. Have a good evening. Up next thank on you. Sports Talk New York, we switch gears, and we welcome in Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Felix Cavallari. Stick around, folks. You're listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, folks. We are back. We are back with Sports Talk New York here on WGBB. Uh, Thank you guys for stopping by and hanging with us tonight. Really appreciate it. Great interview with Jerry Kramer and Bob Fox. That is one great book if you want to take a look at it, folks. Again, it's called Run to Win. Uh, chronicles Jerry's life from Vince Lombardi all the way to uh, his induction to the Pro Football Hall of Fame in Canton, which took place in 2018. 
And uh, some great football games today. Jets lose, Giants win, and uh, Mets win. So it wasn't wasn't too bad. Tampa Bay Buccaneers won. So it was a a decent day sports-wise, but uh, we'll talk about that another time. Our our next guest, best known for being the co-lead vocalist and keyboard player for the Young Rascals. He is, of course, a member of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. His new album, titled Then and Now, uh, was out last Friday the 15th, so it is out there, folks, and uh, it's ready for uh, the many, many fans of this gentleman. I'd like to welcome to the show tonight the king of blue-eyed soul, Mr. Felix Cavallari. Felix, good evening. Well, how are you, my friend? Doing well, doing well. Glad to have you aboard. Thank you. Thank you so much. Now, uh, th- there's a quote that I found that I found very interesting, Felix, uh, it's from Stephen Van Zant that says, Some people may not realize it, but the Rascals were the first rock band in the world. <laughs> Good old Steve. Yeah. <laughs> Talk a little bit about that for me, Felix. Well, it's, you know, I mean, it's, just, it's just nice to hear from people who come from uh, out New Jersey that, uh, you know, realize that, you know, we were we were one of the bands that kind of offset the business of uh, uh British invasion, right? And everybody was English for a few weeks there, you know. Through, <laughs> and so here we came along, and uh, I think he really like uh, it was it was was a fan, was an admirer, you know. I, I thought that was a great introduction. He did that for a Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah, great great job he did uh, <laughs> inducting you guys. That's for sure. Now you are a classically trained pianist, Felix. Yes, that's the way I started. Yeah. Know? I started learning how to do it the real way, and then I found out about the, the other ways. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Now, now uh, you're from Pelham, New York, right up the block. And yes. Who, who were your idols back then? Well, you know, the thing is that being from New York, uh, uh, Westchester County up there, I, I, I was able to hear the beginning. Uh, that Alan Freed brought New York, uh, brought rock and roll to New York. I was able to the beginning of so-called rock and roll. So my idols, Fax Domino, Jerry Lee Lewis, Ray Charles, you know, all people that played, uh, piano, uh, which is what I was playing at the time, only I wasn't playing it like that. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, you, you played the, the Hammond B3. Uh, yeah. I, I never knew what, what's what's the difference between a Hammond B three and another organ, Felix. Uh, well, it's 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 just a classical classic sound. Mm-hmm. I mean, basically, it's something that uh, you know. If you if you if you if you describe it from musical terms, you play the bass with your feet, you play the rhythm with your left hand, you play the leads with your right hand, and you also play chords with your right hand, which are in the same place where horns and strings and voices are. So it's like a, it's like an orchestra. It's different from other, you know, uh, organs. And the difference is by this gentleman named Hammond that invented it. Yeah, okay. That, that clears things up for me for sure, Felix. Now, yeah. uh, you went to Syracuse University and you formed a band called the Escorts. And you became a back, yes. backup musician for Joey D and the Starlighters. Correct. Yes, all happened quite by chance. You know, I mean, I went on this, I went to a, a Casco Mountains for a summer 
uh, job with this band I had, the Escorts. And the next thing I know, I was asked to go to Europe with Joey D because their organ player quit. And what do you know? There was this group opened up for Joey that uh, was to become the world famous. It was called the Beatles. And yeah. that's when I kind of decided to go into the business because I said, wow, this looks like a lot of fun. Yeah, and and you were exactly right. Now the name Rascals, I, I read that uh, Soupy Sales helped helped you come in, um, come up with that name. Well, here is his, his quote. I yeah. know what I'd like to call you, but we couldn't put in print. <laughs> so let's try this one. Yeah, <laughs> he was the best man. He was such a a great guy, you know. And we were humongous fans of his. I mean, we backed him up briefly, because, uh, you know, he had a few records out. He had the mouse. I don't know if you oh, remember Oh, yeah, that. yeah. I grew up with Soupy and, and, and the pies and White Fang and all that stuff. <laughs> wonderful man. Just a wonderful guy. So we had the pleasure of backing him up, and that's kind of how, you know, he gave us that name. Yeah. And and uh, you formed the Young Rascals, and Sid Bernstein enters the picture, a guy yeah. who, who uh, brought in... The Beatles, the Rolling Stones, and uh, he saw your set at Barge. Now, where was Barge? Was that uh, out east? Hamptons. Okay, South yeah. Hamptons. South Hamptons. And, and uh, go ahead, Felix. Basically, it was a great place. It was there, you know, like it was there in the summer of uh, what was '65, I believe '64, '65, and uh, just before the Beatles came to U.S. So whatever that was, and. Uh, Bottom line was that that's where we got discovered. Yeah, and uh, for folks, that was a real barge that they anchored out in West Hampton Beach, folks. And uh, I think it got moved around through the years, but uh, you can you can Google that and find out. And you had no real bass player in the band. I had my foot. Yeah, that's the bass player. Yeah, right there. Yeah, I just you know that's what the organ was for. Basically, it was for. It was for creating, a, 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 it, as I said, an orchestra. It, it, it filled a lot of uh, blanks, you know. And, uh, you know, when I started the band, I really didn't find a bass player that was the right person yet, you know. And so I said, hey, well, I'll do it, you know. And we did that until basically we were in the studio. And those years, the sound started to get better and better. You know, stereo, believe it or not, was becoming a new thing. Mm -hmm. So Arif Mardin, who was helping us, you know, in the studio, was co-producing with us. He said, why don't we try one of these bass players from, you know, the Atlantic Records family? And we found these gems. A gem by the name of Chuck Rainey, who was with King Curtis's band. Mm -hmm. Well, there goes my foot. My foot was retired. <laughs> <laughs> that was it. Yeah, I mean, it was, it was really good. Yeah. Good man. Uh, we're speaking with Felix Cavallari tonight on Sports Talk New York. Now, uh, a great story that, that I read, uh, Felix, was uh, Sid Bernstein came up with a publicity stunt while the Beatles were at Shea Stadium. Uh, he had po posted on the scoreboard, the rascals are coming. And uh, yeah. Brian Epstein uh, didn't take too kindly to that. I don't think he liked it too much. Yeah. <laughs> so, as a matter of fact, he said, if that doesn't come off, uh, no Beatles. Wow. So it was pretty interesting. It was pretty interesting. You know, those days were so innocent, you know, and things were happening, and 
uh, you know, quite quickly, especially for us, you know, uh, it was a very exciting, very exciting time. Yeah, I mean, uh, for folks that don't know, the, the, there were there was good loving. Uh, I've been lonely too long. Grooving, of course, which was number one in 1967. How can I be sure? A girl like you, a beautiful morning, and of course, people got to be free. Number one in 1968. What a run, right there, Felix. Yeah, we had a really good time and had a good, uh, you know, we had a good run until you know one of the one of the members of the band said, ah, "I don't want to do this anymore. I don't yeah. want to go home." And he went home, and that was that. That kind of screwed us up a little bit. We had to kind of gain our feet, you know, get back on our feet. It was kind of hard. And, uh, you know, as, as I say, but w during that period of time, we, we did very well. Now, you wrote, uh, you and Eddie wrote all those tunes. Was that true? Pretty much all of them. Yeah. yeah. Except for Good Loving. Yeah. We, we, uh, we, 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 you know, we had to keep up with the, with the good guys there coming out of England. I mean, those guys wrote all their own songs, Beatles, Stones, Cakes. You know, spoonful out of the United States. Mm -hmm. Birds uh, also later started writing there. So you know that was the that was where the bar was. You know, we had to deal with that. So we did. And you did, yeah. High bar, and you guys uh, definitely met. It was it. a high bar. Yeah. And we got lucky. We got very lucky because, as I say, great, great time to be uh, in the music business. Yeah, definitely. Now. Uh, you guys came came to feel that you wanted to depart from uh, what was known as the uh, your singles act to be more like an a uh, album oriented band. Well, the times change, mm -hmm. and uh, what that to say says survival of the fittest. Right. No, I mean like I said, if times change and formats change, and uh, you got you got to deal with that. You know, um, I mean seriously, or, or you or you're gone. You know, and. Uh, uh, what I really wanted people to know is that, you know, first of all, we played all of our music uh, ourselves in the studio. We did not have session musicians come in, except for, as I say, this bass player, which we did not have. And uh, I thought, you know, maybe we should stretch out a little bit. Yeah, understood. Um, you great, great success in the U.S., of course, in Canada, but you guys kind of struggled in the U.K. How, how do you account for that, Felix? Well, uh, in those days, uh, there was no uh, Atlantic Records in Europe. Uh, every every country that we had, and I mean every country, had a different record company. Mm -hmm. So it was impossible. Until years later when Zeppelin came in, Warner Brothers was formed, and, and, and Warner Brothers took over, took over Atlantic. Now they were an international act. So in, in, in France, we had a different record company. England, in England, in Italy... It was almost impossible to govern that. You know, if you had one body, and the only one body at that time was Columbia, uh, you can do it. Right. Yeah, that, that's strange, but that's the way it was, well, as you say. Very, 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 very difficult. Very, yeah. very difficult. They were speaking with... That's the way it was. I mean, like I said, what are you going to do? That's how it was. Right. You know, and then when Zep came along... Then, oh, boy, now people started really making money because it was international, you know? Yeah. They they were, definitely. That is that is true. We are speaking with the great Felix Cavallari tonight on the program. Now, your post-Rascal solo career. Tell us how you struck uh, st struck out on your own and, and uh, what happened there. Well, you know... Uh, 
I, I really never wanted to stop making music, and I'm still making music. That's why, you know, we're we're talking about the release of another one of my albums, Then and Now. I just right. put out uh, today, uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, the 15th, actually. And, uh, you know, uh, if you enjoy what you do, and fortunately, if you have people that want to hear what you do, why stop? What is the reason you should stop it? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So, uh you know, when the band kind of broke up, I said, well, I'm going to keep going. Uh, you know, I got involved with producing other people, and, you know, I, I I got involved with writing. I moved to Nashville, Tennessee. I, I really enjoy what I do. And, uh, you know, as I said, I'm still out there working. Still out there plugging, that's for sure. And uh, as Felix yeah. mentioned, new album, Then and Now, out right now. You guys can check that out uh, for sure. Uh, a, a great album. And you, you do one cover on there, don't you, Felix? I do five covers. Five, on okay. That was, yeah. the whole, that was the whole premise of the album. I said, look, why don't we do five songs that influence me and then write five new songs that shows that influence? And, you know, it happened during the – we were doing it during the pandemic years. So we were kind of locked up in our homes, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, fortunately – through the computers, we could do that. So I'm really pleased with it because, first of all, the five songs are really songs that influence me. I got Benny King in there, Ray Charles in there. I've got uh, Clarence Carter in there. I've got Jackie Wilson in there. I mean, it it was a joy to do, and I think that's one of the reasons why people are liking it so much. Yeah, and that that exactly uh, exhibits the title of then and now. Uh, from uh, yes. from Felix Cavallari. Now, uh, I want to talk about the Once Upon a Dream reunion. Uh, uh -huh. That was tremendous. Yeah, it was fun. Yeah. While it lasted, and, you know, like it's the last time some of our band was on the planet Earth, so it worked out real well. Yeah, and uh, the, yep. a success on Broadway. And um, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, is that the pinnacle for you, Felix? I don't think there is a pinnacle. Quite frankly, the Songwriters okay. Hall of Fame to me was, as far as awards are concerned, that was the pinnacle for me. Songwriters Hall of Fame is not as famous as the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame because it doesn't have a, tele a television show or a museum, but it's an honor, quite an honor. And uh, the people who are in there are people that I'd love to be associated with. But, uh, you know, yeah, I mean, all of those things, you know, add to uh, a career. So, uh uh, what can I say? I'm, I'm happy to be here, folks. Anybody that uh, you brought in to play on, on the album? Uh, no, actually, you know, we did it with our band. I've got an excellent band down here in Nashville. But we brought in some female singers that happen to be uh, in, in the area who are not in the band. But, no, I didn't, uh, I didn't really have any kind of featured artists other than myself and my, and my group. Understood. Okay, now... And any other upcoming projects that that uh, may be coming down the pipe after this this wonderful new album? Well, I've got a I got a big project that I just did with uh, you know the Rascals were very 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 big out in Hawaii, so when they had that horrific fire out there, we decided to re-record one of my songs, uh, which was called My Hawaii. Right, right. And I've got a guest artist on that that I think everybody's going to be really excited about and. Uh, I guess as soon as we announce that, uh, I'll make sure you find out. But Great. that's a good one. I'm really proud of it. And it's all for charity, of course, for those poor people who are really murderized out there with yeah. that 
horrible fire. Wonderful. That's wonderful sentiment, Felix. That's for sure. So, uh, Felix Cavallari, a new album called Then and Now, and it is yes, it is available. Uh, tell folks for folks how they can get that specifically. Go to go to your oh, website. The best, best place is FelixCavalleriMusic.com. That's the best place. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, hopefully it'll be all spread out on the Internet as far as Spotify and uh, Amazon and uh, Apple and all that. But right now, FelixCavalleriMusic.com. And, of course, when I do my live shows, I'll have – because we've also done it in vinyl, which took me a while to get pressed. But I've got vinyl and CDs. <laughs> I was kind of shocked to do that after all these years. But people want vinyl. Oh, yeah. So anyway, that's where you can find it. Thank you. No worries. Well, Felix, again, then and now, uh, it's been an honor and a pleasure to have you with us tonight, Felix. I thank you for taking the time out of your Sunday night to spend it with us back here in New York. Uh, all the best on, on the new disc, and, and uh, we hope to talk to you down the road. And I, I understand the Giants won tonight. I can't even believe that. Yeah, that. that, that. Uh, well, I can't believe it. I was on the phone, and I, I mean, and, and and I said, "Wait a minute!" When I left, they were losing. You know, they were getting shut out again, Felix. Yeah, they were being shut I, out. <laughs> yes, and 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 they came back. So maybe I'll go to dinner next time they play. Yeah, and the the, the, <laughs> yeah. Jets, the Jets had a rough time in Dallas, and uh, yeah, yeah. Well, see, we have the Titans down here, and I'm a ticket holder, so we went to that crazy game. You know, we won in the last uh, overtime. Yeah, but uh, yeah, I, I, I'm really a big sports fan. So hey, I, I understand you're the sports talk guy. So I appreciate you taking the time for me, my friend. Yeah, I, I enjoy branching out and having musicians on the show once in a while, and and uh, it was certainly an honor to have you with us. So so you you are a season ticket holder for the Titans. Yes. Well, I couldn't get any Giants or Jets tickets. Right. I mean, that's for sure. That's impossible. But yeah. I mean, when I first moved here. You know, there were no teams. So when a team came into it, it came into Nashville, I said, "You know what? I'm on the list." And then I got to know Jeff Fisher. You know, oh yeah, nice. And and Jeff said, "Hey man, be patient. When some seats come up that I think you'll like, I'll get them for you." And he did. So I got, you know, I got really good seats. You know what I mean? And uh, you know, like I said, if we don't even win, I would really like it. Yeah, <laughs> that, that, that makes it a hell of a lot easier, Felix. Well, what about the Volunteers? Well, you know, that, down here the colleges are the big thing. We're yeah. The big thing. But but now we got hockey, we got the Predators, you know. Right. We got the, we got a soccer team. We we got you know, and I'm waiting. I hear talk. They're trying to get a baseball team here. We've got right now. We got a, a minor league team called the Sounds. But right. They got the a national Sounds. I, I you know they they got that fellow who used to pitch for the Pirates. What's his name? Dave uh, Parker. Is it? You know, yeah. uh, he's down here soliciting a team. And between you and I, don't put this on the air, I think they're trying to get Tampa Tampa race. Oh, boy. Yeah. Oh, well, boy. They're you know what the shame they're is? They, they really deserved Well, I think they should stay down there. But uh, nobody goes. The only time anybody shows up, Felix, is when the Yankees or the Red Sox are down there. Yeah, well, I think I don't know. I, I, they're a good team too. They're well run. They're yeah. well done, and uh, 
And uh, boy, I'd love to have him here. I, that would be, but I mean, I don't know if that's going to happen. But maybe you never can tell. You never can tell. That's it. Money uh, talks, right? Money it, talks. Down that's here. it, Felix. That's so. the main thing. So you take care, my friend. Again, best of luck All with right, the so album, you, and we'll talk to you soon. All right. God bless. Take care of yourself. See that you. is Felix Cavallari, folks. We will be right back after these messages. Hang out with us, folks. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back with Sports Talk New York here on WGBB in Merrick, Long Island, New York. Bill Donahue uh, getting ready to sign it off here soon. I just want to let you in on a few secrets before we leave for the night. Uh, coming up in October, my next show will be October 1st. Uh, can't believe it's October already. So October 1st, uh, for the month of October, I'll be on three times. And uh, we're looking at uh, doing a show about League of Their Own with a couple of those ladies. Uh, one of the last remaining Brooklyn Dodgers, uh, besides Carl Erskine and Sandy Koufax, one of those gentlemen uh, will make an appearance on the show. So we're working on a couple of great things uh, to bring your way in October. So th that will be that. And aside from that, uh, as Elvis Costello said, Radio is a sound salvation. Radio is cleaning up the nation. Don't forget that, folks. So that'll do it for me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'd like to thank my guests, Jerry Kramer, Bob Fox, and Mr. Felix Cavallari, my engineer, Brian Graves, and, of course, you guys. Couldn't do without you. Thanks for joining us. See you on Sunday, October 1st, as I said. Till then, be safe, be well. Bill Donahue wishing you a good evening, folks. views expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.